Hey everyone, welcome to another CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I'm Corey, CJ Wesley. Hey listen, no sponsors, nothing. We're just straight to business because Corey and I have been talking for... <laughs> we do this to ourselves all the time. We say, what are we going to talk about today, Corey? And we go on for half an hour. We basically like argue about something or bounce ideas off each other. And we've already done a full episode. We've done... <laughs> <laughs> we spent enough time to make a coherent episode and we didn't record it. So then we decide on a topic and then we're all worn out. So today we're winging it, but we do have a topic, right, Corey? What is today's topic? So today we're talking about whether or not it's ever justified to have multiple production instances. Right. And, and I want to make clear to everybody, because it is a controversial opinion, is it not, Corey? Like the idea of why can't we just have multiple teams with multiple instances, right? Yeah, I think it's semi-controversial, right? Because there's ever-present urge to consolidate, right? To get everything on one instance and have everyone in the same place using the same data sets and so on and so forth, right? So I think Mm -hmm. it's semi-controversial to say, well, what if we didn't do that? We just want to make clear this is a thought experiment. This is not advice, okay? Yeah, absolutely, right? Like this is like (laughs) a lot of our episodes you can take at at face value and and find a lot of wisdom and and such to, to implement directly. This is all just, we're just riffing here. We're just putting stuff out here. We thought this was an interesting conversation, so we're recording it. <laughs> so wait a second, who's playing the bad guy in this episode? I, I think I'm the bad guy okay. in this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Corey, what's your what's your proposition? So, so my thought on this, right, is that there are occasions, um, and maybe those occasions are probably more numerous than we give credit, um, where having multiple production instances makes sense. I think the the marginal cost of doing this, if my knowledge of ServiceNow licensing is correct, isn't too much, right? It isn't a big deal, big enough deal, especially for like companies that would get benefit from doing this. And there are a lot of use cases where I can see, or at least a few that are rather big, right? And I can see a lot of value return if we were to, to implement a, situ- a, a solution like this, right? There's always these megacorps, right? Like the, what they call them, multinationals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's multinational corporations, right? That have operations all the way across the globe. And, you know, from the perspective of America, right? We typically look at regions as fairly big and fairly flat. And we don't take, in, take into account a lot of the nuance, right? When we say EMEA, like we think of EMEA as just one kind of co- coherent space. But there's a bunch of countries with a bunch of languages and a bunch of customs and differences that aren't really fully realized in the word and in the branding of EMEA. Same thing with Asia Pac, same thing with the Middle East, so on and so forth. Right. So if you're a megacorp and you've got these operations that expand across the globe and you've got these various different customs and maybe different ways of doing business in these local offices. And I've been there, I've worked in one. There are different ways that, that things get done. Now, why shoehorn those different processes into one global process when it might create more inefficiency? What do you think so, on that, Duke? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind and trying not to apply any ethnocentric bias or anything about, would not a business want to take the most efficient way of doing things and just say, this is the way we're doing things everywhere? But why does, so, but yes, but what makes one way the most efficient way of doing things? Maybe it's a one-to-many relationship on the most efficient way of doing things. Mm -hmm. Maybe a global process ultimately is more inefficient than several local processes that then sync up. So my contention is 
like for a single company, one instance is better than multiple instances on prod. That's 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 my contention. And I think in this case, like why not build exceptions into the primary system for cases where you need local variation? Man, the like exceptions suck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they do, but if they're necessary, right? If it if the value is justified, like we have some process that like your contention is like language or cultural reasons can't the process can't work the same in two different regions, right? Yeah. Or that's just like a hypothetical scenario. Yeah, it's just not, just hypothetical. Yeah, it's yeah. just hypothetical. So if I had a if I had something that worked better in let's say the Middle East, yeah, for a certain set of countries, like why so that I'm I'm already saying it's valuable that it works differently here because it works better there. So doesn't that justify the complexity of an exception at a cheaper level than justifying a whole new instance? Maybe. I mean, it, does it work better there or does it work better there? Right. Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> I mean, that that's one of the things. Right. So you, you have to figure out whether or not that process is a situation where their process works better at a global level or if it just works better for them locally. But then you also have to take into account, like, how complex is that exception and how many of these exceptions are you going to have when you scale out to looking at all your operations across the world? Right. I mean, it could be a situation where you see this one exception. And then as you kind of scale this out and start to look at all your operations globally, maybe you end up with 10 or 15 exceptions. Now, do you consolidate that process now so that you have one global process and then which basically smooths over all of those exceptions and gives them back a baseline level of service, but not that same level of service that they were expecting? Or do you maybe say it's worth it for these guys to experience the A1 level of service that we can give them by separating that off and then doing a sync between the instances? A sync between the instances being e-bonding? E-bonding. Yeah, e-bonding. You know, or are you talking about full instance replication where it's like, we do have a common CMDB and a CSDM and it just replicates every night? Yeah. So, right. So you'd obviously want to make some of those decisions. I think things like the CMDB and such will probably be replicated across your entire instance farm. I guess that's what we're going to call this now, instance farm, right? Just coin something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I guess like things like your CMDB with CSDM and all of that stuff uh, would be coined, uh, would be um, cloned across like, your entire instance farm. But things like your actual business processes, ITSM processes, ITBM processes, PPM processes, other things like that, those things could actually be different from instance to instance, region to region, because that's how your actual people in the office do business. That's how your support staff interacts with your business staff, right? How they deliver that service, how they record it, how they're measured against it, how they ensure that they're giving, you know, that top A1 level of service. So my next objection I'd love to hear your thoughts on is if you have a multinational organization, isn't the trend towards more services offered globally than not, even if for the benefits of like follow the sun model, right? We have an application, everybody in the world uses it. So if somebody in North America has a problem with the app, but they've gone to sleep, could not somebody in Vietnam just pick up that ticket and deal with it? Yeah, they can. But in my experience, they never wanted that follow the sun. So follow the sun is great, right? Follow the sun ensures that there's adequate coverage. 
But in my experience, interregion dependencies or interregion service delivery never seem to fit the expectation of, of the user, right? Like, so I ran an ops desk in a, in a past life. I ran it for the Americas region. We had a follow the sun model. So we'd often get calls from Asia PAC. We'd often get calls from our, our European regions, right? And they were suffering through it. <laughs> it was like they endured this because it was out of hours and they were trying to work and they didn't have a choice, but you could tell. And in some cases, this actually happened. They would just hang up and call someone in the, in the UK, even if it was like 10 o'clock at night, they'd have like, you know, uh, uh, my counterpart's phone number or whatever. And they'd be like, hey, man, you know, we called America. This didn't work. I need some help. <laughs> and so it sometimes it's a comfort level. Sometimes it's a it's the level of service that they're used to receiving a familiarity that we don't have with them. Right. We're used to delivering our service in a way that our users like that. they you know, and, and it's vice versa. You know, I get folks who would be in, in America and they'd call after hours for America and they get Asia Pack and they might not like Asia Pack level of service for whatever reason. It's not necessarily it's not a knock on the folks we had doing service. There was just cultural differences or language even or language. Right. And, you know, as a quote unquote, you know, global language was English type of deal. But yeah, I mean, we did have folks who did speak multiple languages. So you could get a support uh, support in a different country where sometimes, you know, it would be in the language of your preference. So, yeah. <laughs> so how know, would you, Okay, so like I get the idea that you have to suffer through it, I guess, to have it on the same instance. But how does breaking up the instances, like wouldn't you rather suffer through it and get it done by somebody like by the time you wake up? Or would you rather just wait until the next day and then get support in your own region from your own instance? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think ultimately it really depends on the company. I think in some cases, some folks, I can tell you from past experience, some folks would just rather uh, just get the, get the support the next day. Some folks, if it was emergency enough, would endure it, right? And there was a level of familiarity that we didn't have with their stuff and vice versa. So, you know, sometimes when you're trying to deliver a service that's, I mean, it's IT on both sides of the pond and it's all quote unquote standardized, right? But there are little differences, right? There's some little differences the way, based on the way they work and some of the things that they do. And even based on various different countries inside of EMEA, right? Like, and and we didn't know all of those nuances, but you know, our counterparts in, in EMEA did, right? Like they knew it because it was their business to know it. So they delivered service differently than we did, right? And ultimately it, it, that familiarity from their co- their customers with them you know, led to a different sort of a process that they utilized than we did. And, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, did we make it work with one service now instance? We absolutely did. But man, let me tell you about that category tree. <laughs> you know, that's just, I mean, that's just one, one of the things, right, that ultimately had to be a compromise because like we've got three different support desks that are feeding into trying to get one standardized process that everybody can use. This conversation is exciting to me because I did have at least one service where we had all these complications and it was in my first post-implementation. What are we going to do with ServiceNow today, Rob? And we decided to, I've told this story like a bajillion times. (laughs) Tell it again. I always like it. (laughs) We decided to do onboarding and offboarding, especially of freelancers at this global organization. And it was just to have an office in every country. This company goes around and buys profitable advertising agencies in every nation. So onboarding freelancers and offboarding them, we know these 15 things have to happen. 
generally. And we had exceptions on, except in this country. We do these 515 things unless you're one of the excluded countries. And then when it it was, how do I assign those 15 things? So there was this idea that some some subtasks were always hyper-local. Like the people who would bring you your desktop, and that's the world we lived in back then, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everybody had a desktop computer. The person who brings you your desktop would de facto be local. Right. That would be local assignment group. And then there's other stuff that was de facto global. Like you're you're get, getting your AD set up. Like a global team would always do that. And then there were places where it was conditional. Like this is almost always done globally, except for these few exception locations, because maybe they just got bought or some mechanism prevents them from being done by the global team in this one or two cases. And yeah, it was difficult, but it was also something where it's like, how could we do it and get the global bits to still work if instead we had just had like, let's even say four prod instances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, split it up. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, you said something else too that that pinged to me as a great use case for this. You said that your business was in the business of acquiring other businesses, right? My assumption is that when you acquired those other businesses, you somehow folded them onto the one ServiceNow instance, right? Yes. What if you just dropped another production instance in there and gave it to them, right? And say, all right, you guys have been doing things this way. You can do things this way now. We'll sync it back up with the mothership. Right. And so the mothership instance has this single source of truth for all of your various acquisition companies. Right. And maybe over time, you still fold those acquisition companies into that bigger instance. But initially, you don't have to go through that consolidation process. Right. That, you know, that eats up, I don't know, zero to 90 days or zero to six months. Right. You can scratch that one off and integrate directly, basically mirroring their existing processes. Right. Without Mm -hmm. necessarily having to push something out to them where they're already going through this transition and they have all these other kind of things that they're trying to well, I think, figure out. I'll just go to the idea of like more often the services become universal than become hyper-localized. Gotcha. Because like in, from this company's perspective, it's like they're in the business of buying ad agencies. And so they'd buy an ad agency that maybe had a couple hundred people. So, you know, a 10 person IT team say, And they had some other tool, footprints or whatever. And so it's like, okay, if I'm going to roll them onto a separate ServiceNow instance, I'm doing an implementation anyway. So why not try and get them on the master one? And part of the reason a big fish might swallow a small fish is that there's that economies of scale thing. We can keep your operators operating. The people who do all the creative work at this agency and the branding work, let them stay and we'll either integrate or let go of the administrative layer that we already have in spades because we're a big fish. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it's a good point, right? Like, because there is that economies of scale that you get with a merger. Well, we already have, like, you know, at the mothership, we already have all of these functions, right? These administrative functions. And we got enough people to go around. And if we don't have enough people, you got a few people, right? We'll take a few of yours, lay off most of them, right? And keep all the creative and branding folks, right? Like that that are actually doing the work that we actually want, right? Because we need to scale up that side of the business because that's where the money's being made. Yeah, that I mean, I could definitely see that, right? Like that to me calls out as a scenario that's a lot less likely to warrant dropping another instance in. Uh, but what if you want to spend one off? 
What if you wanted to spin one off? Yeah. What if you wanted to rebrand it? Uh, a lot of times you'll have um, different service offerings, right? Without to your users, right? You've got like one brand that's kind of luxury. Like think of a, a Toyota, right? They've got mm-hmm. the Toyota brand and they got the Lexus brand. Are they both using the same service now instance? Probably not, right? So, you know, but are they on separate service now accounts? Probably, but why? Right? Why isn't it the same staff? I don't know if they're same company, the different companies or whatever. Let's assume. Oh, but it doesn't Lexus have its own company structure? Like it's a separate legal entity, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I'm not. I'm not entirely familiar, to be honest. No, right? it's, it's. I mean, this is a great. Like maybe this is only applicable in at certain scales. So like, but the scales of the businesses being bought in this ad agency model, the agencies weren't big; they were tiny. You right. know, they maybe had a small IT team that was barely scraping by. And to that end, it was just a matter of like, you're being swallowed by the big fish, kind of deal with it. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> but if it was this is like, the penalty getting bought. <laughs> yeah. If this is like, I'm a $5 billion company buying a $3 billion company, well, okay, now, <laughs> yeah. you yeah, know what now. I mean? Yeah, and, exactly. And it, it'll never be the same brand. Like Toyota didn't buy Lexus to be Toyota Plus, right? They bought Lexus to be Lexus and keep being Lexus and right. hopefully get that economy of scale stuff. But yeah, and that's one way to add additional economy of scale, right? Like, so maybe they are still using footprints in Lexus when you buy them, right? But you're like, that's not going to work for us. We're going to drop service now in here. We're just going to sync it back up. So we're going to get all of your data back here. We're going to give you something that we know how it works, right? We got a team that we are, that's already trained up and knows how to use it. So we're going to just transition you that way. We're going to get you on our account structure and all of that. So you no longer have to worry about any of that, right? Like we're going to manage all of that from BitCorp. But you and you're going to you know you know gain some of those efficiencies and some of those benefits, right? You know, it's funny. I think we may have just switched seats because <laughs> 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 I'm thinking like what? Okay, because well, like we're done with ServiceNow being oh that ITSM tool, right? Yeah, we're done with that now. And yep. now it's how big a domain of work can we capture with ServiceNow? Absolutely. Let's just say let's say now we got all the work everybody's yeah. everything work is being done in service now. So how do you deal with something where let's imagine massive scale CSM adoption? Yeah. Right. And now Lexus's front door to their customer base may be predicated on service now. Yep. And now we're thinking of, it's not just our internal silo teams and which things are global, which, which things are being handled at big fish and which things are being handled at small fish. Now is what do the customers expect to go to when they want to talk to you about something to initiate work? And would they expect a Lexus service portal or would they expect a Toyota service portal? Definitely would expect a Lexus one. Right? The service they now admins in both those companies are like, they're... hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like they don't even want to be reminded that they're driving basically a high-end Toyota. <laughs> right, right. Right. So you um, said something when you said, let's let's talk, let's take this even away from ITSM stack. It made me think about another thing. What about risk? Right. When you start expanding this into other areas of the business, HR has a different level of risk than IT, Mm -hmm. than CSM, than ITBM. HR might have a situation where they don't feel like they can be down. They have a very structured and regimented calendar of change and upgrades and what they're willing to configuration versus customization on the instance, right? Because they want to keep this thing 
because from from an HR perspective, they feel like a hundred percent service delivery via service now is their goal, right? And that's their absolute goal. And anytime that they're down, it looks bad on them, and it just goes against their metrics, whatever their model is, right? And IT is more like break, move fast and break things. So you know, Rome just came out last week. We're on Rome tomorrow. Whereas HR is like, no, we're going to wait out the full two release cycle <laughs> mm. before we upgrade. So now you've got. The tension, right? You have a tension between one stakeholder and another one internally. How do you solve that? Two instances. I mean, that's one way to solve it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I am trying to make my argument here. Yeah, no, for sure. So how would I do? I mean, don't all apps share this in common though? Different consumers of each app would have different preferences. And does that justify a whole new instance of that app to satisfy that preference? Depends on the amount of value at stake. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to the, yeah, like there's there's $50 problems and there's $50 million problems, right? Right. So let's say you save HR some, let's, uh, we save some hassle by saying, okay, HR team has their own instance separate from IT yep. and, and they can switch versions and stuff. Okay, but now we've added weight to the organization in terms of like management. So whatever team supports ServiceNow now has to do extra work because... Well, HR wants this new thing, but it's in a version that they're not at. But IT is at that version, but IT doesn't want it because they're not HR. Yeah. So HR needs to upgrade. And they, so they, in this scenario, right, they put it on their calendar, right? They put it on their release calendar. This is, mm-hmm. you know, we want this feature. We realize that it contradicts with our stated like release mm-hmm. calendar. So we either going to make the decision that we're going to bump up a, a release early Right. So that we can get this or we'll just slot it in. And, you know, it's in quarter three after we, you know, hit the the spot where we typically upgrade and then we'll introduce it. Couldn't you and, also say we, we move as fast as our slowest stakeholder? Well, that's the problem that two instances solves. Right. Because you no longer have to move only as fast as your slowest uh, stakeholder, because now you can move as fast as your fastest stakeholder on one place. And as fast as your slowest stakeholder in another. And those two things can exist independently, right? So HR can be slow, methodical, and 100% focused on uptime. And IT can be quick and fast and 100% focused on functionality and uh, new experiences. And both of those things can still exist at the same time because both of those stakeholders now have their own environments. Yeah, I see. I want that benefit. I just don't want your solution. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so let, assume we did want to go with your solution, but what would what would we have to do to make sure that we're not totally like, oh, I don't even know how to articulate this. I don't know. I mean, we we manage multiple instances all the time, right? Like prod, test, dev. Are you just throw another yeah. one in there? Yeah, but test and dev <laughs> are definitively not prod. True, they are not True. treated with the same safety measures or governance. Um yeah. I mean, shoot, it's like. You're surprised when you get somebody that has and sticks to a clone back schedule. Like that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, facts. That's how, <laughs> how hard it is to govern. But is not one of the prime value statements of service now. Like the unified data set. Okay, we don't have to have fifty different ways of holding user accounts, and we don't have to have three or four or five different CMDBs. And we still don't, right? Well, everything's still in the same table structure with the same sys IDs, right? Like the, that common data, mm-hmm. right? Like that common data is still replicated across the instances. What, what you gain, though, is flexibility, 
right? So you're going to still have the same user pool on HR prod as you will on mm-hmm. IT prod. You're going to still have those same, that same CMDB data. Like you'd have to take this into account as you're developing your solution, but ideally you'd create all of this in one place and then you clone that common data set across your instances, right? Okay. So you're and saying there's, this must have some amount of instance replication, table replication in order yes. for this to, to pull off. Absolutely. Right. Okay, like so you can't have like two copies of, of your CMDB and have them be uh, independent of each other. Right. Like that right. has to be the same data. Just replicate it. And tell me again how the global problems get solved. <laughs> 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 so if I have, okay, like, let's take ID management, right? Yep. Would you say it's fair that ID management is a global discipline? Uh, yes, I would say that's likely. Yeah. Okay. So let's say everybody relies on like the company ID management. So how is it? The HR team, or let's say, let's do geographically instead. Okay. So somebody in the Estonia office hires like five more XYZ people. Okay. And there has to be some kind of global discipline for getting these people into, like they've been hired, they've gone through all that. Now it's the job of get them into AD. Yeah. Is there a team on each instance or is there one team on one instance? You know, I'd I'd probably scale the team. I'd have one team. Oh man, yeah, I'd have one team that probably manages the entirety of the instances, but I'd probably have that team distributed across time zones, right? That way that, that you know, you'd have team members who are in the same time zone as wherever you have instances, right? So that those folks aren't necessarily having to wait if there's a, an issue. I don't know. And that's off the top of my head. I could also see right. this being centralized as well, because with automation, I think a lot of this could actually be done without human intervention. Yeah. It's not like an I win, you lose thing. It's just kind of like your job in this episode is to be that advocate, right? Yeah, yeah, no. And and, and that's kind of what I'm thinking, right? Like is is it can go either way in, in this specific case. You know, onboarding is to me like always the holy grail of, of automation. You know, you could, I don't know, depends on the process, right? Does the process start in service now and then end up with an AD um, account getting created? Or does the process start at HR, which then pushes the AD, then pushes down, to your service now instances, but you have so, to push it to one instance and then, cl- and then replicate to the others. And th- there's this precedent for this, right? Like, I mean, I'm a Novell guy. Back in the day, we had all kinds of a replication going on with the various different trees or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even with Windows um, networking, right? Like you create an account in one place and then it gets replicated across, right? To all your other domain controllers. So, I mean, there, there, there's definitely precedent for this in IT where there's an account gets created in one place and then is replicated across your, all of your various instances so that it is available. There's no reason we couldn't implement that in here as well. Hmm. Man, the only thing I remember from Novell is fire phasers. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got a certain Novell. I'm, I'm certified in 4.11, certified Novell I, administrator. I remember I took a month's long course in it and... I remember literally nothing about it except for fire phasers. I couldn't even tell you what the app does. That's how how foggy the memory is. So we probably got time for like another two minute blurb. Um, Actually like 33 minutes into this. Can you believe that? Dude, <laughs> that doesn't even count the 15 minutes we spent before yeah, we hit record oh, talking about this. Like how many times? 43 episodes. We still haven't learned to just hit record. <laughs> okay. Seriously. I wonder if we could bring the two concepts together because I like, I am certainly not moving one inch away from 
there's, <laughs> there's clear benefits to having it all on one instance, right? Absolutely. But there, I mean, as I said earlier, there's, there's theoretical benefits of having your cake and eating it too. I wonder if the two ideas could be like reconciled with a new concept, which is maybe like process instances, like not a ServiceNow instance, like this company at ServiceNow.com, but more of like within one instance, company.servicenow.com, there might be the change process for IT in North America. And then it's just like, snap your fingers, get me another one. And it's just like, boom, here's another instance of change in your instance. Out of box too, it's out of box. And then the change management for IT and HR in the UK is now on that change. Let's call it a shard. Yeah, You're on that change shard. And it's basically, you could have X number of distinct separate change management implementations in one instance without having some kind of master control. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, so I'm going to say you're splitting, you're splitting hairs on this one, right? Like, so so this is, this is my idea. Just kind of repackage so you can be right. (laughs) That's handy. (laughs) But I mean, this, this reminds me of like, uh, what is it? Kubernetes now or, or something like that. Docker. Right where uh-huh. you spin up these containerized uh, applications that exist as a instance uh, of an application, and I think that will come in really handy. And actually, I probably should have started with change way back at the beginning of this discussion because I think change is a really good process to illustrate the need sometimes for different yeah. instances, right? Because yeah. change processes vary from place to place or, or inside an organization, and typically, like I have a very IT centric viewpoint sometimes. But when you take a step back and think about these things. If you start thinking about ServiceNow in the uh, manufacturing or factory world, right, they're going to have change processes there that are going to be like ISO specific or something mm-hmm. like that, right? And then those change process, how do you account for each one of those? And, it, and I'm sure they're different from country to country. Some of them might be different from state to state. How do you account for that? How many exceptions do you build out with all of this complex logic that kind of gets spaghettiized sometimes before you say, you should just use another instance? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about this more and more. Like, but what if uh, another side <laughs> benefit? Like, if, if we just said, okay, it's all in the same instance, and therefore we don't have to worry about data replication, say, or yep. e-bonding, because it's yep. just if you need the task over there, you send it over there, or if you need the access to the CMDB, you query the CMDB on the one instance where it can exist and change as it needs to change, instant to instant without having to worry about that data replication complicated. But if we said there was this idea of a shard, this is the change for IT in North America. This is the change for everything in the UK. This is the change for supply chain management in Africa. But a side benefit of that, if we could just spin up a new change process from scratch out of box, yep. think of all, all the re-architecture problems that suddenly go away. Because remember how we talked about earlier? Like you can have an instance that's gone super wide and three out of the eight processes that you've built are completely disaster zones. And now you've got to drag the five that are decent into your re-architecture hell with you. Yeah. But imagine if you could just say, well, we done screwed that one up. (laughs) 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 Like snap your finger. Oh, a new change management implementation from scratch, from out of box. We can just kind of forget that that other one existed. (laughs) It's like kind of push it off to the side. I love that. <laughs> I All love right. that. Basically like a reset button. Like, yeah, no, this, oh man, we shouldn't have done that. That's right. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the deletion or the cleanliness of it. It's just like, 
whatever mechanism decides, oh, this is the change process you should be using could also be the mechanism to say, is it visible still or not? Right. Right. So party A that uses change management process A uses it until it's too screwed up and then just click fresh. (laughs) You know, what about the old stuff? Oh, it's in the legacy shard holder or whatever. Anyway, product owners, if you're listening, (laughs) you're welcome. Yeah, no, and then right, and then maybe like then you put some auto archive around that where you take all those records and you dump them back in the, the same table, right? So now you're mm-hmm. holding the data, but you, but you got all new fresh process. Yeah, you know, so you can still got all your reporting, you can still do analytics against the data, all that kind of good stuff, right? That doesn't change, but you realize you screwed the pooch on how you implement it, you know, whatever assessment. That's such a nasty expression. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> I, just, I just want to note here, folks at home. I don't know about Duke, but I haven't had a drink. <laughs> uh, not me either. All right, we're at 40 minutes of record. So, Corey, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they get that done? All right, so first spin up a second instance. And then... <laughs> ah! <laughs> you know, I'm on LinkedIn at Corey Wesley. Uh, yeah, shoot me an invite or connection or whatever they call it out there. I, I accept all of them. Shoot me some uh, messages or whatever. I, I typically respond. You can also find me at uh, tankvoyant.com, uh, where we focus on practically everything in the service now ecosystem. And you can reach me at www.theduke.digital, where you can contact me about coaching or better outcomes on service now. Uh, use the contact me form. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Thank you, Gordon. Thank you,